Have you ever asked yourself, why is the road to freedom sometimes so hard? Well, here's one reason. It's hard because there are things outside of us and inside of us that want to stray off the narrow path and into sin. But every time we yield to those temptations, our progress is hindered a little bit. If you're hungry and you're not being satisfied spiritually in the Lord, you're going to be so vulnerable to any suggestion that the world or the enemy comes to you with. So what we really need is to learn how to effectively deal with everyday temptations. I think one of the biggest defenses against the world and the devil is being in a personal relationship with Jesus that actually satisfies. And so making space for that to happen is like number one on my priority list. Hey, I'm Nate Dancer, and you're listening to Purity for Life. In this episode, we'll continue our series, Key Lessons on the Road to Freedom, and we'll be talking about the importance of resisting temptation and making godly choices every day. That's what's coming up. Here we go. All right, Austin Kropp has joined me in the studio. Austin is a biblical counselor for our residential program here at Pure Life. Thanks for coming in. Yeah, thanks for having me. Okay, so Austin, this episode is part of our Key Lessons on the Road to Freedom series, and what we're going to talk about today is choices, and I think that as we go through this interview, people will really understand why we need to talk about this when we're thinking about key lessons on the road to freedom. So first off, let me just ask you this question. How would you, what kind of importance would you say scripture places on the choices that we make day in and day out? Yeah, I think it's quite a lot of importance. There's a lot of scripture that refers to this sort of thing, but I think it's important for us, especially to like think about the fact that our decisions are leading us places. So if you want to think of it in the way, in like the terminology of building a building, you could say each decision I make every day, not just like the big decisions, like, oh, who should I marry? You know, where should I move to or whatever that looks like? Um, No, like every single decision during the day, it's like it could be figuratively like putting a brick in mortar. I'm putting something substantial in my life and I'm building decision by decision. Something's being erected. Or you could be like using the analogy of a person going on a journey. So every step is actually taking me towards a destination. Mm. So, um, and you can kind of see this in Galatians 6, 7 and 8, Paul is saying, do not be deceived God is not mocked, for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. So from that, I'm seeing this is really important for me. If I'm going to be continuing on this road toward freedom, that I need to be very careful with the choices that I'm making, very intentional about those. Hmm. Okay. So 
the decisions that I make day in and day out are either contributing to that lifestyle, Mm -hmm. that new lifestyle, or they're like hindering or even just setting me Mm -hmm. back. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or taking me in a totally different direction. Correct. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if we're talking about making godly choices in our lives daily, I feel like we also have to talk about temptation Mm -hmm. because that's a huge part of the conversation. It's not just like the Lord is showing us, hey, here's how to have a godly life and here's Mm -hmm. how to have a life in the Spirit. It's also that there's these forces that are trying to take us in a different direction. What when you when you look at scripture, what are the forces that we need to be aware of that are trying to take us in a in a bad direction? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I see mainly three different forces or sources of temptation in scripture, and it's pretty clear cut in this way. You're going to be facing temptations from the flesh, from the world, and from the devil. Mm. So what that looks like is from my flesh. These are like my sinful desires from my fallen nature. It's just like what I desire in my fallenness, things that come out of that. And then the world, I thought about this, is kind of like it's the system that houses what my sinful flesh wants. So it's the entertainment, the comfort, the ease, the pleasure, all of that, the world is enticing, can be drawing into that. So, And then you have the devil and the spiritual forces that he has. The enemy has is trying to influence us and draw us into different atmospheres and trying to influence our thoughts, introduce thoughts, you know, to entice or to monopolize on that flesh inside of me to cause me to sin. Mm. So all of these are kind of working together in a way to draw us away. Mm -hmm. Could you just like, I don't know, could we go through like a daily scenario and Mm -hmm. could you express like how that kind of works itself out? Sure. So let's say, for example, just put it in my own life. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not sure exactly (laughs) if I've ever actually had this scenario, but let's say, for example, my wife and I just get off on the wrong foot in the morning. Um, There's just some kind of tangible tension between us. She says something, and I'm kind of irritated. So immediately, like, my flesh is like, okay, like, I don't want to, like, deal with that sort of friction. I want want some kind of comfort. I need some kind of outlet. And I don't like relational tension at all. That's just for me. I I need to have my relationships free (laughs) and open. So that can cause me to be tempted to look other places. Oh, like I need something to comfort me. So let's say I'm later that day, I'm on my computer and just doing normal like internet thing. Maybe I need to like buy something on Amazon or something. And then I'm like, ah, oh, man, like, I remember that show on YouTube, and I can just, little bit by little bit, like, I could get swept away into something that's, like, trying to take and fill this void inside 
because of what my flesh is desiring. So I've got the enemy trying to influence me here and draw me into the world, into a fleshly way of meeting my needs. And it's sinful because hmm. I'm not turning to the Lord in any of that. So hmm. okay. that could be a scenario in that way. Yeah. So you've got a situation that kind of appeals to your flesh mm-hmm. and then in whatever way there's this temptation mm-hmm. that kind of is trying to to bring you into the worldly way of dealing with things where mm-hmm. like what would okay so then let, we're talking about godly choices right so what what would the godly choice be in that scenario that mm-hmm. would kind of put a brick you know, in mm-hmm. in the building in a good way. Yeah. Yeah, I think in that situation specifically, just humbling myself and choosing to love would be the very first thing. <laughs> um, denying myself and making room for the Spirit to work, to love through me to my wife. Maybe she ha- didn't sleep well that night, you know. Maybe she, and she just needs some extra you know, for me to come alongside of her, to love her. Mm -hmm. And so in that way, I could choose to sow to the spirit and put in a brick of love (laughs) rather than retreating, withdrawing, and trying to find help and comfort some other way. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And so then you can definitely see how every day, Mm-hmm. You can either really be making steps in a godly direction, or you can be you can be regressing because yeah. that, like you were saying, that day, that one situation can easily lead into other situations where yes. you do go and you do watch that show on YouTube, and you know maybe there was something there that really grips you and then maybe you go even yeah. further and mm-hmm. look at something sensual on the internet or potentially even view pornography from there it could be that you start hiding that from your wife you're yeah. not telling her you're not living in the light i mean th- i think that's what you're trying to communicate is like this has big yes big implications yeah for it's our a- lives and it's amazing how quickly we can just we can be on a good track you know especially at the beginning for me, you know, man, I'm like doing really well. And then just, it seems like the smallest thing would completely derail me. And I'd be like, what in the the world? How did I ever end up here? You know? Uh Um, But this is how, (laughs) coming back to this now, I'm like seeing this was based in those early choices that I made. I made a choice that ended up getting me off track. Mm. Mm. Okay, so we have these sources of temptation. And you mentioned um, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And two of those sources are are outside of us, you know, the world and the devil. Mm -hmm. But we also have this um, source of temptation, which is like inside of us. It's just our fallen nature that without any help just wants to be led astray, wants to be deceived, wants to be drawn into the world. And so Paul, I think this is in Romans, makes this statement where he says, do not make any provision for the flesh to satisfy its lusts. What is he, what's he talking about there? Yeah, so, so he's describing on just a normal day, 
my tendency, he's describing a tendency within us to just make room for the flesh to have its way. So that's just the basic, like ground level as human beings, that's how we operate. So we have this tendency on a daily basis to make decisions, to leave room for what our flesh wants so that when the opportunity arises, I can, you know, fulfill its desires. Hmm. So that being the case, I'm going to have to make intentional decisions to not let that happen. So I think Paul is describing that, the tendency and that, that reality that we have to be very intentional not to ro- leave room for that. Okay. Can you, can you think of some, I mean, you've done a lot of counseling. Yeah. Can you mm-hmm. think of some instances or examples, like really common ones, where a person just is making provision for the flesh and you're like, okay, this is what Paul is saying. You can't do this. Right. I think... Honestly, one of the biggest areas, at least for the younger generation that I counsel with mostly, is their smartphone. That's a huge area of temptation, um, especially of influences of the world, um, where social media can easily be just a pathway into sin for them, but all their friends are on it. Like, you know, there's a lot of presumably good reasons to be on social media. At least that's the way we think. But that can be a huge area of making provision for the flesh, especially if someone is habitually going into sin in that way or from those areas. So smartphones can be a huge area of that. Um, Internet can be another one, you know, just having access, unlimited access and unfiltered access, you know, or just having a known backdoor to some of your filtering apps or whatever you use just not being super intentional about taking care of some of these things can be just that, making provision. Yeah, that's really good because that is showing, again, just these are the little choices Mm -hmm. that we make, like not canceling my social media account or not blocking access to certain things, but knowing that like, man, this is a real source of temptation. Those are those those little choices that end up having, for some people, like really serious consequences. And for those who haven't listened to the whole series, I would recommend going back and listening to episode 513, Keep Your Home Holy, because that is... I know when we're talking to people who are graduating the residential program or whatever, it's like, man, having a safe, godly atmosphere in the home is one of the biggest, most critical decisions you can make because that's where you're going to spend. You need a place where you can retreat to, you know, mm-hmm. like out of these atmospheres that the enemy is creating, out of the spirit of the world. And if you go home and your home is like, there's all these sources of temptation, it's like, man, where are you ever going to rest Right. in the Lord? Yes. Okay, so let's talk about something related to making provision for the flesh. I was thinking about this a couple years ago that if Paul is saying, don't make provision for the flesh, I was like, wow, what if what if we thought in terms of I should be making provision for the spirit, kind of the opposite, making provision not for the flesh but for the spirit because that's also going to have a kind of a consequence of 
of helping me to obey. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think that's an amazing way of looking at this because really in biblical counseling, we talk about this all the time. Whenever you have a put off, you need to replace it with something because otherwise you're just, you know, you're just trying to stave off the flesh, but you're not filling it with something good. So this is definitely a biblical framework to think about this. So, but this is, um, I'm just, I was just thinking about this for myself. Like, how does this work? And I thought of Psalm 16. It's one of my favorite Psalms. Um, okay. But verse five says, the Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. And even there, it's that, that word chosen, you know, this, this is a choice. I'm choosing this. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. Hmm. And then in verse 11, he says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And, you know, there's a special place reserved in the Lord's heart for people who actually intentionally seek him, to know him, to be with him, to really, to seek their pleasure in life from him. And so, some of the ways that that can look like it, I mean, we talk about it all the time, but <laughs> spending time in the Word, it's like this is just very basic stuff, but needful. Like I've got to make intentional provision for the Spirit in my life, inviting Jesus, making space for Jesus. Mm. And I think one of the biggest um, defenses against the world and the devil is being in a personal relationship with Jesus that actually satisfies. That's like the biggest thing for me. And so making space for that to happen is like number one on my priority list. Yeah. So it's like if you want to be able to, let's say that your job is like manual labor, mm -hmm. you know, and you're a construction worker and you're trying to think about, okay, how am I going to be able to do my job? A big, big part of it is just eating, mm -hmm. right? Like if you say, ah, I don't need to eat, but then you try to go work, yeah, you're not going to have the strength. So that base, like you were saying, that baseline foundational choice of every day I'm feeding my spirit yes. is actually going to have an effect down the line. Yep. which I think is something that a lot of a lot of people don't make the connection. I know I definitely never did, but it's like Pastor Steve would just like ram it into us. Listen, mm -hmm. how are you going to have the strength to fight off the flesh if you're not feeding the spirit? Mm -hmm. um, we try to live in our own strength. Yeah. Um, I like what you said too, just about if we're satisfied in Jesus that deals with a lot of the temptations that we experience in our daily life. Just right off the bat, the yes. things that would have tremendous power and appeal yes. are just dealt with because we're satisfied. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I've used this, the illustration of, you know, if you've just eaten out with your friend at Texas Roadhouse and you had like this amazing steak and you've just stuffed yourself and you're on the way home, maybe you're driving through downtown 
and you stop at a stoplight and a homeless man comes up to your door offering you a, a three-day-old cheeseburger from McDonald's, like, are you going to take that? Absolutely not. Like, it's not even a question. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> However, if you thought about it in this way, if you were somewhere where you didn't have access to any food for three days, and that same homeless man approached you and offered you that three-day-old hamburger, you're going to take it. No questions asked. Like, it's better than starving, right? So that's that's a uh, illustration I've used with my counselees a lot of times with this very thing. What are you feasting on? If you're hungry and you're not being satisfied spiritually in the Lord, you're going to be so vulnerable to any suggestion that the world or the enemy comes to you with. Mm. But mm. if you're satisfied in Jesus, it'll be easy to say, no, I, I just don't have time. I, I'm, I have what I need. I'm sorry. Mm. <laughs> no. Yeah, that's really good. Um, so I think one one last thing that we probably need to talk about as far as choices and temptation is just the fact that <laughs> I don't to use the to use the phrase the struggle is real, mm-hmm. right? Like you can get to a point where you're just tired of being tempted, which mm-hmm. I, and I think especially early on in your Christian life. There's just the battle can be really fierce yeah. at times. And I think the feeling can be I wish that this wasn't a battle and I just want to get to the place where I'm no longer tempted. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I remember Pastor Ed Book recounting a story along these lines that he was telling a friend of his that very thing. I just want to stop being tempted. And his friend was like, well, The Bible says that Jesus was tempted in every way, just as we are. Mm -hmm. Do you really think that you're going to get to a spiritual place that Jesus didn't get to? And I think that's really wise. Yeah. Right? Like, so what we need is not a lack of temptation, but the strength to go through it when it comes. What, What are the things that you use to encourage yourself when you're facing those battles? I think... So just to preface this, I think it's important for me, it has been very important for me, I should say it that way, to really, really just pound it into myself through the Word of God that suffering is a natural and needed part in my Christian life. Otherwise, my view of temptation is going to tend to like have that kind of like what you were saying, like, ah, like, why can't I just get rid of this temptation? Like, just be done with it and move on. But if I'm seeing temptation as suffering, which Hebrews talks about, right? It says that Jesus suffered when he was tempted. So Jesus suffered temptation. And like what Pastor Ed was saying, his friend telling him, you know, do we think we're above Jesus? Like, As his disciples, Jesus promised us, we will suffer persecution. Whatever it is, like whether it's from other people, the world, just temptation is another form of persecution. And so when I go through these trials, this is normal. I have to like remind myself so much of that. This is what I need actually. So Hmm. how this kind of plays out in a practical way for me is... 
I try to remember Jesus' suffering. Whatever situation I'm in, this is a hard situation. I'm being tempted. It's just not ending, and maybe I'm just tired of this battle. Okay, in that moment, I need to turn back and remember Jesus. Just remembering what he went through on a daily basis while he was here. You know, all the the Pharisees and the way they were always trying to get at him and tempt him and draw him into a trap and, you know, looking for his life, you know. Some of the other ways, like his disciples constantly just didn't seem to get it, you know. Could feel very lonely at times, I would imagine, as a human, you know, the human side of Jesus just like is... It's just his whole life is just struggle and suffering if you look at it in that way. And so seeing Jesus always gives me a fresh courage to Mm. just continue on. Just like what Hebrews says, consider him who endured such opposition. And then the end says, so that you will not become weary and lose heart. And so when I'm remembering Jesus, that helps me. And a prayer that I've learned to pray in those times is, Lord, receive the reward of your suffering through this. Like, this is not about me. This is about you. I want you to receive the reward of your suffering. I want to remember you. You suffered. And so that has been very helpful. Um, As well, something that I've found great help in is setting my mind intentionally on eternal things specifically eternal reward. Mm. I don't know if we do this enough or if we talk about this enough, but there's real reward if I make the right choice in this situation. Like Mm. we were talking earlier, I'm taking steps in one direction or the other. I'm, I'm putting in bricks, you know, for good or for ill. And if I make the right decision, if I continue to fight, There's going to be some real reward for this. And so some scriptures that I like that illustrate this is Romans 8, 818. Paul says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And 2 Corinthians 4, uh, 16 through 17, he says, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. So sometimes when I'm just in the battle, taking a moment to just reflect on some of these passages can be so invigorating. Mm. Like sometimes I can feel like my spiritual man is just like fainted on the ground. (laughs) I'm like, okay, I'm just like done. And when I just take the time to meditate on some of these great promises, I can just feel life coming back into me and courage and faith being reignited and, and I have enough strength to keep going, you know, one more day or one more hour, whatever it is. So that's one way that I've really found a blessing as well. Mm. Yeah, what what you just said, I think, is really, really important. That God has not, God has no intention of removing temptation from anyone's life. 
Um, not because he's just like, I'm going to make sure they're as tempted as possible, but he, yeah, it, it's like, um, like you said, the temptation is actually producing something. If you, if you handle it, it's actually doing something very, very good for you. Yes. And why would God remove that? Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah. why would he remove the thing that is, if you handle it rightly, is making you strong and a uh, virtuous, full of character kind of person. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we lose sight of that, especially when we're in the middle of that struggle and that fight sometimes of that. Yeah. Like, this is working for my good. You mm. know, another Romans 8 quote, we use it a lot, <laughs> just in general, uh, Christianity, God is using everything in my life for good. Mm. But do we believe that? Do we live that? That's the challenge. So, and so this this is where this is really good too is thinking about the fact that this is not all about me. So sometimes we feel very isolated. The enemy tries to isolate us and be like, "Okay, this is only you're just the only one that's fighting this, and nobody understands me, and all of this." Reminding myself, "This is not about me," is very helpful. Turning my eyes to see. You know, again, rooting myself in the truth of Scripture, I can see there's a lot of benefits to suffering, especially suffering through temptation. I can't remember the exact Scripture for this, but Paul, I think, somewhere mentions how when we go through affliction and we're comforted by the Lord, then after that, we're able to give the same comfort with which we've been comforted. So just remembering that is very helpful for me when I'm in that. This is actually going to work out for someone else's benefit down the road. God is so good that he is looking out to be for this other person (laughs) who needs me to go through this so that I can minister to them at that point with effectiveness so that it's not just a bunch of head knowledge like, oh yeah, like go look at the scripture and do this. And But I have no experience in that myself like he really wants the lord wants to use this in someone else's life Mm. and that's going to be a much more effective thing if i've gone through it myself Mm. yeah i appreciate what you're saying um thank you for sharing that because i think number one it just helps to see that our daily choices are not insignificant like there's a real where where we're going to be next week, next mm-hmm. month, next year is in large part dependent on how we handle today. Yes. So it really elevates just the importance of what we do on a daily basis. But, you know, this is a hard world that we're living in. You know, it's hard to live in a godly way. We're we're definitely coming into a time where it is not going to be easy to live a righteous life. Yeah. Right? It's going to be more and more difficult. Yes. There will be more and more opportunities where to stand up and do the right thing is going to require something of us. And so I think the Lord is just urging all of us, like, take today seriously, and I'm with you. Mm-hmm. He really wants us to make it. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's... He is, that's something that I've I've been thinking about as well, is Jesus is with me in this. And so it's not like he's kind of like 
abandoned me in this. Like, okay, now figure it out. Yeah, hope you um, make it. Yeah, hope you make it. <laughs> no, he's with us. That's his promise. That's He sent us the Holy Spirit. He lives within us. You know, it's so easy to forget. Like, just even when mm. maybe you're in that fire, remember, wow, the Holy Spirit is living in me right now. He's with me. And so Jesus walking with us personally is going to be one of our, I think, our greatest advantages. And if I've learned how to walk in that, to just simply walk with Jesus, he's going to take me through. Though the fire comes, the waters rise, you know, I'm not going to be drowned. It's not going to overflow me. The fire's not going to singe me. It's not going to kindle upon me because he's with me Mm. and I'm walking with him. One of the lessons we're learning today is that our choices matter because they have consequences. When we make godly choices, we experience a godly result. When we make sinful choices, we experience bad consequences. Last year, Pastor Ed Book shared something with the students in our residential program that I think you need to hear because it dovetails perfectly with what you've already been learning. He told our students about the time when Jesus told Peter to throw his nets out into the water for a catch of fish. Now, Peter, who had been fishing all night without catching anything, did not understand why Jesus was asking him to do this, but he obeyed anyway. All right, good evening. How are we doing? Uh, Why don't we turn to Luke chapter 5, beginning in the first verse, there's this account here of Jesus and Peter. So it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. Wow. There's a lot that I could try and draw out of that passage, obviously. But what drew me to it here this evening uh, really was just thinking about the word of God and Jesus being the Word made flesh, you know, as in the Word of God in bodily form and everything he said, he was speaking for the Father. In fact, at one point he tells us that everything that he ever said was only what the Father gave him to say, right? He didn't say anything of his own 
volition or of his own choosing. He said what the Father instructed or gave him to say. And when I look at this passage, I, I was just reading it with that kind of filter, I guess, in front of me. And it says here in verse 3 that he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. Like, picture yourself for a second, you know, as a fisherman on the sea. You've been out all night. You didn't catch a thing. So what kind of mood are you in? Yeah. So he probably wasn't extremely happy. He's messing with his nets there, you know. You got, so not only didn't I catch anything, but now, you know, I got to do all this work with the nets as if I caught a bunch of fish already. <laughs> got to clean them, stow them, do all that stuff. Be like Tyler and the gang, getting all the tools out and going over to the house and they didn't put one nail in or spackle one hole in the wall or do anything, didn't lay one board, didn't do anything. And then at the end of the day, they got to clean it all up and bring it all back and put it away or something like, like it's crazy. You know, so I don't imagine he felt much like doing what Jesus asked him to do. But that's what makes it stand out all the more that he just did it. <laughs> you don't even see a response from Peter other than obedience, right? He doesn't utter any words that are given to us, uh, at least here in the scripture at that point, right? Jesus says, put out a little from the shore. Peter's like, yep, okay, put out a little from the shore. That's what you want, that's what I'll do. This stranger gets in his boat. I mean, maybe knows of him a little or something, but he hasn't had a very close relationship with him for sure, if he's even met him before. And he acknowledges there's something about Jesus's words that Simon didn't even resist. When everything was kind of stacked in favor of resisting or pushing back, he didn't do it. There's something about Jesus, that when you really hear his words, when you meet them with your heart and have a real encounter with the words, they compel obedience, at least in most people. And then, uh, you know, then Jesus goes through this whole thing where he teaches the people. I don't know how long that was. It doesn't say, doesn't give us any of his teaching here on that point. But, you know, they had longer attention spans back then, I'm pretty sure. So I don't imagine that it just like flew right by. You know, he's probably there for a little while while Jesus was teaching these people. And then he stops speaking. And in verse four, he says to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. So he's basically telling them, you're going to have to row out here into the deep part of the lake now, right? And let down your nets. Put yourself in Peter's shoes, right? Now, wait a minute. You know, I've given you an inch, right? Now you're asking for the mile. <laughs> and I just don't, I wonder what goes through our natural reasoning minds in an account like that. You know, how, how willingly would we do that? But look at what Peter says. Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, at your word, I will let down the net. <laughs> and they do it and they catch this massive amount of fish, so many fish that it's sinking two boats. That is a lot of fish, especially for a crew of fishermen who were good at their jobs normally, I suspect, and had toiled all night and caught nothing. Now their boat is sinking with this miraculous catch that came to them, why? At the word of the Lord. 
but they had to do something with the word of the Lord, right? It was go out into the deep, go out away from the shore, away from, you know, the comforts of home. And I know you had a long sleepless night and you were ready to go to bed and get some rest and all, but now you know you got to go out in the deep instead and catch all these fish. <laughs> but he does it and, it, you know, he's blessed beyond his ability to receive for his obedience to that. There's something different about the word of the Lord. That's kind of one of the points I want to try and convey to you is there's something different, you know? Like this wasn't just anybody coming up to Peter saying this, right? Some of you are being told things by the Lord around here. And it may come through another person sometimes. You know, as far as Peter may have known here at this point, Jesus was just another man. You know, but the Lord speaks to us and we need to have a heart that receives it. And, you know, just thinking about his word, even that last part where Jesus says to Simon, do not be afraid. <laughs> From now on, you will catch men. He's telling him something is going to happen that there's nothing in place, no foundation for that statement yet in Peter's life, right? Peter is nowhere near becoming a fisher of men, so to speak, right? But that's what the Lord sees him as already and is telling him, is speaking it into his life, calling it into being even though it isn't yet true of him. Do you, like, I don't know, do you get anything of the word of the Lord when you read a passage like that? Does it, is it registering with us? Uh, I guess, you know, I don't feel like I am doing it justice by any means tonight, but that's what was kind of on my heart is how powerful the word of God is, how, how I want you to get into this and start letting it like mold and shape and affect you letting it do its job inside you. Do you want to leave here the same or do you want to change? You know, if you want to change, it is the word of God that is going to remold your inside world and change you. And that's where the change has to take place if it's going to last. If you're not uh, giving over to pornography and some of your sexual sin, and most of you sh uh, sure hope aren't, <laughs> you know, like here in this place, you're separated from all that. You're already in some measure experiencing some victory, okay? But I'm telling you, it won't last unless something changes in here, right? And this is how it's going to change inside you by wrestling with the Word of God, getting into the Word of God, getting over the Word of God, praying through the Word of God, listening to the commands in the Word of God and putting them into practice, listening to what other godly people are trying to teach you out of the Word of God, help you see so that you don't have to like inch your way along. You can kind of make some strides through this so that in nine months you can actually be a transformed, different man from the inside out. That's what the Word of God will do for us. And over in John 6, you know, there's that passage that we're all very familiar with, I think. But in verse 66 of John 6, Jesus, uh, it says, From that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. And then Jesus says to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? But Peter, Simon Peter, answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. 
You see, Peter had an encounter with the Word that transformed him. And even when the going got tough, even when it got toughest, and everybody else is walking away, leaving, or majority, overwhelming majority are leaving, packing their bags and saying, I've had it, I'm out of here. Peter was like, where would I go? You, Lord, have the words of eternal life. Where are you getting fed the words of eternal life? Because that's where you want to take up residence. Hopefully it's here. You certainly have every opportunity here. But you have to do your part. You have to let yourself be soft and pliable enough to actually conform to those words. Let them mold you. Let them shape you. Let them reorganize your thinking. Let them dictate your thoughts and your decisions and your attitudes and your life. Hey, thanks so much for joining us. I trust that this episode really inspired you to believe that the little decisions you make throughout the day matter and to believe that Every single time you resist temptation and do the right thing and turn to the Lord, that is not in vain. God will see it and he will bless you. Also, before we go, if you missed our live stream men's sexual sin Q&A back in December, then I've got good news. We're going to be doing a part two. So mark your calendars for February 3rd at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. That live stream will be available on YouTube, Facebook, our website, and our smartphone app. More details will be coming in the next couple of weeks. I just wanted to give you a heads up right now so that you could plan on joining us. Again, we're hosting another live stream men's sexual sin Q&A on Saturday, February 3rd at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you'd like to submit a question, just send it in to inform at purelifeministries.org. We're praying for this event. We hope to see you there. Purity for Life is a production of Pure Life Ministries. For over 30 years, Pure Life Ministries has been the go-to for those whose lives have been devastated by sexual sin. Visit us on the web for more information about our life-changing counseling programs and powerful teaching materials. Also check out our video clips of men and women whose lives have been radically transformed. All that and more at purelifeministries.org.